Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Tuesday, April the 2nd edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Winkfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. On today's show, I am at my wedding right now, but we begin the draft preview series with an extensive look inside the Dolphins war room. Up first, it's all about the most important position on the field, the quarterbacks. We'll tell you which guys are targets in which round, what the Dolphins look for at the position, and predict what might happen on the final weekend in April, and we'll explore the 2020 draft class as well. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, Tuned In, wherever it is you get your podcast from, go ahead and subscribe. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We broke records in March. Keep that going into April. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast and the Draft Dudes Podcast for all the coverage of everything 2019 NFL Draft here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We have a quarterback-centric busy show to get into. Let's jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins And that's right, today is the day I get to marry my very, very best friend. And what a perfect opportunity for a parallel for the wedding day, guys. Mrs. Wingfield is probably freaking out right now. I'm probably on my second or third Johnny Walker by the time you guys hear this. But it is happy days as your boy is off in paradise out in Hawaii but simultaneously breaking down the most important position in all of sports. And the parallel for marriage and the quarterback as relevant as the Dolphins, Brian Flores and Chris Greer are about to marry their jobs to a player, a quarterback. And now let's go ahead and pump the brakes because it might not happen in this draft, but you get the idea. The quarterback determines pretty much everyone's job in the building. And that will be the case here for the Dolphins under this new regime. And we start with the one guy that I've been begging Miami to hitch their wagon to forever. You'll recall my article theorizing the Dolphins might go after Kyler Murray, and I'm hoping this doesn't become outdated in two weeks when it publishes, but right now, on March 15th, the dream is still alive. As long as Josh Rosen remains in the Cardinals uniform, we still have a chance to go get Kyler Murray. And before we get into Murray's breakdown, let's highlight the traits that Miami wants at the position because tangibles are obvious and typically Chris Greer is a prototype guy, but he has said in the past that there are expectations to the prototype and referenced Jarvis Landry as one of those exceptions to the rule as far as what he wants at certain positions. Well, Murray is an exception too, an exception to the height-weight combo. And that really is the only spot where he comes up Short. 
pun intended. Miami has stated their interest in, mo in both mobility and accuracy, but it's the intangibles because, as Greer has said, if a guy isn't wired right, if he can't lead the locker room, effectively communicate with his players, it doesn't matter how great the physical traits are. They want leaders. They want communicators. They want intelligent players that prioritize the game over everything else. And if you guys want to hear a great inside draft story... Teams actually do worry sometimes about the fact that a guy is married and has a family life because they know that football is not going to be his number one. Brutal cutthroat business, yes, but in theory, it makes sense. But now, if Murray is short on those traits, pun once again intended, you might think so based on his terrible interview cycle back at the Super Bowl week. Then there was the commentary from our good old friend, off his rocker, Charlie Casserly at the NFL Network post-combine. But we also have testimonials from general managers around the league that have said that Murray was plenty fine on the whiteboard. We know that Dan Marino loves him. He is always the fastest player on the field. Joel Klatt, Fox's lead college football analyst, has said as much, saying that Hollywood Brown, his own teammate at Oklahoma, was the only player in college football in 2018 faster than Murray. And Charles Amenahu, the Texas defensive end, he had an interview on the Move the Sticks podcast and said that Murray is the fastest player he's ever seen and that he's a better player than Baker Mayfield. And really, with Murray, the different pitches that he needs are in the tool bag, the drive throws, the deep shots into the bucket, the touch pass both in the middle of the field up the seam and on the flats and the out routes and the screens and the swing routes. He's able to alter the speed and trajectory of his throws without sacrificing accuracy. And now there are some holes in his game as well. He'll miss some throws. He will at times, not always, but at times drop his eyes and succumb to the rush. But more often than not, he escapes. He's light as all get out on his feet and can move around seamlessly, transfer his weight. He can set up defenders with a ball fake by flipping his hips and then transitioning back into a threatening position, either to throw or to run. I mean, whew, I need a cigarette because this is one of the most fun prospects I've ever scouted in football, and I just really, really would love to be able to have that excitement, that electricity, and that buzz in Miami because the Dolphins just have not had that in forever, especially at the quarterback position. It's been since the 90s with Dan Marino, since Miami had a really top-shelf level quarterback. I think this guy fits that mold. I think he's a for-sure number one overall legitimate type of pick. I do think that's ultimately where he probably goes, at number one to the Cardinals. But if they do something stupid and he survives that pick, then all bets are off because I do believe the Dolphins love Kyler Murray and maybe not going up into the top three. But if he falls a little bit outside of that, I can see Miami getting in on that action. All right, next, we're going to get into the rest of this class, including Dwayne Haskins. We'll do that here on the other side of the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. This is the song that me and Mrs. Winkville are walking back into the reception to because she is a pretty lady and I cannot wait to marry her. My toes right now, probably in the sand, going to be marrying my best friend in front of my best bro friends. Today is a great, great day in my life, but we're still talking ball and specifically quarterbacks. No Teddy Bridgewater, no Tyrod Taylor. So what is next for the Dolphins at quarterback? 
A quick reminder, tomorrow's show will be on the rest of the offensive prospects, the tight ends, offensive linemen, running backs, and receivers. I think most of those positions outside of O-line are pretty well stocked right now for Miami in terms of needs. And Thursday, we'll cover the front seven, a big-time area of need, as well as the defensive backfield on Friday. We'll get into the secondary, also, in my opinion, a big need for this Dolphins team. But today, we're on the quarterbacks. Let's go ahead and jump in to some Dwayne Haskins scouting. I know a lot of people on Twitter have been asking me to get into Dwayne Haskins' tape and film and study because I haven't done as much as I would have liked to because, really... I just really like watching Kyler Murray. He's so much fun to watch and scout that I've kind of put off the other quarterbacks. But after the idea kind of got sour in terms of the Cardinals, probably taking him at number one, I did jump in to some more scouting of the other quarterbacks. And with that, let's go ahead and talk about him here with Dwayne Haskins up first. Where I think the Dolphins will be pretty high on Dwayne Haskins is in the football acumen department. He is very sharp when it comes to discerning coverages, recognizing the leverage and soft spots in zone coverage. He can throw the ball accurately accurately against man coverage as well. And the zone coverages and the soft spots, like I mentioned, that was really on display best in the Michigan game when he torched them over and over and over again on the mesh concept. And what a mesh concept is, is very simple. You basically take two receivers from opposite sides of the field. At the mesh point, you bring them across, dragging underneath the linebackers from opposite sides of the field, and it forces those linebackers to make a decision against your fastest players, just like Ohio State and all those boys that basically destroyed the entire 40-yard dash process. But all those huge runs after the catch from Paris Campbell, from K.J. Hill, from Terry McLaurin. Those happened because of Haskins' pre-snap prowess, and he did a lot of big-time stuff in that regard, also in the Rose Bowl against the Washington Huskies, and that very well-coached defense of Chris Peterson up there in Seattle. Haskins is accurate, and the ball jumps off his hand. I do not see the same controlled finesse that I see in Kyler Murray when it comes to different pitches, and the big difference to me is the pocket navigation and the recognition of compromised passing lanes and the fact that he's a very heavy-footed stepper. He has a hard time getting up and out of pressure because he is heavy-legged and not that fleet of foot. We saw how slow he ran at the combine. Of course, 40-yard dashes who really gives a damn, but at the same time, you can see the athletic ability not really brimming off of Dwayne Haskins. He gets caught in that quicksand way too often, and if you can't put a decent offensive line in front of him, I think you're liable then to take a lot of sacks, something that nobody in Miami wants to see anymore. And on top of that, he will force some throws when he becomes frustrated of that pressure and doesn't have the innate ability to adjust the arm angle and throw from off-platform. New Ohio State head coach Ryan Day, who was previously Dwayne Haskins' offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach the last two years, he did a segment on the Move the Sticks podcast with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Check that podcast out if you do not know about it already. And he could not rave enough, Ryan Day that is, could not rave enough about the player and the character that Dwayne Haskins is going to bring to some NFL team. He talked about leadership. He talked about poise. He talked about maturity. And it was all genuine because a lot of the time, you're going to get that run-of-the-mill coaches speak that you can basically see right through in an instant. But Ryan O'Day, or Ryan Day, rather, was very, very genuine 
in his remarks on Dwayne Haskins. He thinks that Haskins' best ball is ahead of him, which I think is pretty clear at the age of 20, and you can definitely see it in his body type. I mean, the guy still has body baby fat, and I'd be excited about his upside to grow into that potential, but it also comes with a bit of a risk because you never know what a player's body maturing is going to turn into. I think he's a gamble on upside just as much as Murray might be if you're scared about his size, and I'd be okay with taking Haskins at pick 13, but I'd rather pass the buck to next year's class rather than trade up to go get him. So those are the top two guys, probably both out of Miami's range at pick 13, especially when you consider this Dolphins team really wants to accumulate more picks. I think they could go away from that mold if the quarterback that they loved and desired was there, whoever that might be, but I still think that they won't be available and the Dolphins will have to move back. So what about that next group, the potential second, even third round guys that are available? I think there's only two of those players in this draft as far as what the NFL's perception is of those guys, and they are Drew Locke and Daniel Jones from Missouri and from Duke respectively. And we'll start with Drew Locke out of Missouri. I think his arm might be the biggest in the class, if not for a guy we're going to talk about here in a minute. He really can drive the ball all over the field. He has that swagger and moxie and the confidence that you need at the position. He's kind of a bro, but he also has the approach and mentality to make that something you don't have to worry about, not unlike Baker Mayfield, where, yeah, he might grab his crotch and flash it to the sideline, but he's going to work his tail off and be the best quarterback that he possibly can be. But what does that ceiling mean for Drew Locke because it's the inconsistencies that really worry me as far as his prospects go. He has the athletic background as a very good basketball player. He had legitimate division one offers as a college basketball player coming out of high school, a big time hooper, and you can see it in the way he moves. He's very fluid and I would definitely pound the table over this any day that I think that athletes and football players in particular should play multiple sports because it teaches you how to move in different ways. It trains different muscles and and different quick twitch fibers in your body. I also would say have every football player ever have them play soccer because the footwork you learn in soccer is invaluable, especially in the NFL. As I've talked about, everything starts at quarterback with your feet and really at any position. But at the same time, Drew Locke does play a little bit too loosey-goosey to me. He rushes throws, and he likes to try those Mahomes off-angle throws. He's even talked about how much he practices them, which is weird because when he does that, it causes his accuracy to wane and get out of whack a lot more than it should at this level of his career. So I wouldn't hate it if Miami selected Drew Locke with the 48th pick in the second round. I don't think he'll be there, so it's probably not even an option. But I also would only be on board with doing that if they traded back in round one and recouped more picks because I don't want to waste that pick, a high premium pick, on a quarterback that, frankly, I don't believe that highly in. I'll take the chance. I'll take the gamble if I have more picks in my back pocket, which the Dolphins really are kind of doing that right now in terms of acquiring more and more picks but I don't want to take him straight away at pick 13 or even at pick 48 if there's no trade backs. Then, then there's Daniel Jones. He's not even draftable, and I'm not using hyperbole. When the best thing that people can say about you or about a prospect is that you played in a pro-style offense or mention your legendary offensive coach there at Duke and David Cutcliffe, it means you're just not a good player. 
He's got a pop gun arm. He cannot hit the drive throws on the comebacks, the deep outs, the seam window shots. He needs a pocket as clean as that lady from the Netflix show tidying up as clean as her living room to set up his entire windup and delivery. He doesn't sense pressure. And while he's a good athlete, he's a good athlete in the way Tannehill was, not agile, more like a drunk guy that stole a TV from a party trying to run away down the street. He is just straight line fast. I would not draft him even in the seventh round because I think he's a total waste of time and he will just take time to develop in your quarterback room and you'll never get anywhere with him. So even though people think he's a potential first round draft pick, I wouldn't even touch him at all. He's not going to play well in the NFL. We'll see if that winds up on old takes exposed, but I highly, highly doubt that. All right, next here on the show, we're going to come back and talk about day three prospects on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, as well as some 2020 draft class members and what's going to actually happen this year at the quarterback position. We'll get to that next at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. I think there's maybe four guys that fall into this round three to four range in this upcoming draft class. Every year, it seems like a couple of guys get hyped up. You'll recall last year, the Brandon Silvers, the Mike Whites, I think the Kyle Lawletta, maybe like Davis Webb the year before. There's always a darling that people talk about in the mid rounds as if that player has a good chance to excel in the league. But the truth is, once you get beyond the first round and especially the second round, your odds of finding a starting quarterback are pretty much just wasting a draft pick unless you want a backup quarterback, which that's something the Dolphins maybe don't really need to focus on at this point. But then again, maybe they do because when they do find their franchise quarterback of the future, they are going to need a backup behind him and find a guy that has similar traits, but also a guy that can provide support to the starting quarterback because really that's his primary job. The quarterback has to be able to say, hey, I need the third down reel from the Patriots game last week. Can you go give me a cut up of that? And he has to come back with notes and details on how they can attack that defense. It's all about getting the starting quarterback ready to play. And that's why you have to be very careful about the dynamic of your quarterback room and especially that backup quarterback who really could ruin the entire situation if you have the wrong guy there. But let's go ahead and jump into the four guys that I think fall in that rounds three to four range. And I'll start with Buffalo's Tyree Jackson, because really to me, these guys you want to draft on projection and that's kind of the draft in general, but really these players at this point in the draft, I want to find a guy that's a big ball of clay that I can mold. And that's exactly what Tyree Jackson is. He has the athleticism. He has the giant arm. I think even today up on Twitter and mind you, this is back in March recording this podcast. Somebody tweeted out a article about how Tyree Jackson is basically Josh Allen without having to get overdrafted and without the accuracy issues. But at the same time, he does have a loopy, long, winding motion because he's six foot seven, and there is a threshold right at six six. There really aren't good starting quarterbacks in the NFL that are ahead of six six or taller than six six, I should say. So you have to have that concern. He taught himself how to throw a football on YouTube because he didn't have coaching back in his middle school and high school days. So you wonder how much of that has to be fixed and ironed out. But I do like Tyree Jackson the most of this group of guys. The next one that I like the most is Brett Rippon. He is very highly advanced and good accuracy as far as processing and anticipation. He can throw receivers open, but he is short on a lot of the physical traits. This is a guy that I think you target if you want that backup quarterback. Next, Jarrett Stidham, because again, he has the physical traits. He was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, going to Auburn. Just never put it together there down in Auburn 
with Gus Malzahn, and I think that maybe you have a chance to turn him around and get that talent to shine through maybe eventually. Probably not, but maybe you do. And then next on the list, Will Greer. I like him for the charisma and the late game prowess that he showed at West Virginia, but he has such a pop gun arm and he cannot drive the football. And when he tries to drive the football, it goes all over the place without a spiral, not really any good spin on the football. So again, a guy kind of like in that Matt Moore mold that you hope can be a good backup in his career. And then lastly, I think another guy that falls in this range is Ryan Finley out of North Carolina State. But I'll just say this, no thank you, I'm good there. And then we have a list of players. I think I have, let's see, one, two, three of them in rounds five to seven and really probably closer to the back end of the draft for a couple of these guys. Jordan Ta'amu out of Mississippi. I don't really know a lot about his game, if I'm being totally honest, but the Dolphins have met with him several times at the Shrine Week practices and games so he could be a guy on their radar Easton Stick and this is a guy that CK Parrott you guys know Chris Kaufman champions for all the time he loves him out of North Dakota State and there are some physical traits there that you like in terms of the athletic ability and the arm but I just I, I don't really see it for myself I'll be honest I've only seen him play a couple of games and also the Shrine Week practices and the game where he was really kind of dragged through the mud that entire week I think he's probably a late round project type of pick here if you want to go that route and then I'll champion for my own guy here. And I do think he probably goes undrafted, but maybe the Dolphins could sign him as an undrafted free agent. Gardner Minshew out of Washington State University, go Cougs. And the reason that I'm really attracted to the idea of bringing Minshew down to Miami really as a backup quarterback project is for a couple of reasons. Number one, he was going to take a quarterback grad transfer job at Alabama as one of their backups just so he could get into the coaching ranks. But then he decided, you know what, I've got an opportunity to go up to the Palouse in Washington and play for the Cougs. All he does is lead us to 11 wins for the first time in program history and an Alamo Bowl victory. And it really kind of sparked his career as a player to keep going. But it tells you about the work ethic and the drive he has to be a coach because those guys work countless hours, but also his football acumen as well. And he is a galvanizer of people. They love him everywhere he goes. The locker room down at the Senior Bowl even. And Jim Nagy, the Senior Bowl director, talked about this, how everybody loved him. And he's the kind of guy that when your starting quarterback goes down and you need to spark a fire in the huddle because it's tough to lose your quarterback, you need a guy that can galvanize the team and bring them together for a quarter, maybe a half, maybe three quarters, and try to win a football game that way. I think Gardner Minshew is that guy if you have him as your backup quarterback. Not a guy you can start with every Every single week and win, but he definitely can provide you a lot of the things you need as a backup quarterback. And then anybody else on this list, anybody else in this draft, we're good. I'm, I'll go ahead and pass. No thanks on everybody else. What do I think will actually happen? I think the Dolphins ultimately miss out on the two guys they actually like in this class being Murray and Haskins, and they pass the buck to the 2020 draft class where they have loaded up for the opportunity to either trade up for somebody and make it happen that way, or maybe they lose enough games to get the guy they want that way as well. There are plenty of options, but I think they'll probably go after a quarterback on day three at some point, maybe day two if they trade back and get more picks, like I mentioned with Drew Locke, and then have that rookie, whether it is Drew Locke, whether it's Tyree Jackson, whether it's Easton Stick, whatever it might be have that guy compete with Jake Rudolph and Luke Falk for the starting job and just kind of hopefully you can get through the entire season with those guys and hold out until 2020 because the list of quarterbacks in this class are very impressive 
And I tweeted out a couple of weeks ago a list of traits from these quarterbacks that I like. And to start with Tua Tungavailoa, everybody's prized possession. He is already super advanced pre-snap. And at processing post-snap, he's very accurate and plenty mobile enough with an inherent sense of navigating compromised pockets while keeping his eyes downfield. And he anticipates based on the route combinations and the leverage of the defense against those concepts. A very, very high-level quarterback. A five-star quarterback, in my opinion. I've already talked about Kyler Murray. Don't have to go there. Trevor Lawrence in 2021 is great at everything. To me, he's going to go down as the greatest quarterback prospect of all time. And don't get that twisted. Not saying he's going to be the best quarterback of all time, but when it comes to the prospects and where he's at on draft day, he'll be thought of higher than Andrew Luck, John Elway, all those guys, because he is freaking elite. Then you have Jake Fromm out of Georgia. To me, he's the best leader of them all and checks off all those boxes in terms of the intangibles like leadership, communication, all that fun stuff we discussed earlier in the podcast. He's very advanced in the processing aspect of things, but is probably the least impressive of the bunch from a physical standpoint, but he does have more than enough arm and mobility. It's just not going to wow you. Then you have Justin Herbert out of Oregon. He reminds me of Tannehill, the big arm, the great athlete, but really that's all he has. He's often a beat late on everything that he does. He has stretches of play where he probably deserves to get pulled from the game. There was a game against the Cougs last year up here in Washington State where he had six passing yards before halftime. So there are lots of flaws in his game. Then you have Jordan Love out of Utah State. I'll be honest, I haven't really watched a whole lot of him, but I know he has a massive arm and good athleticism and that he's pretty good when it comes to the whiteboard as well, but I haven't corroborated that for my own for my own purposes, my own study as well. So I'll get more into Jordan Love's film later on. So right now, even though I haven't seen Love, I would probably go Tua number one, Tua number one, Jake Fromm number two, Jordan Love number three, and then Justin Herbert number four. And I would assume my guess, my prediction is that come this time next year, Justin Herbert's going to play so bad and play himself out of this position to be a top draft pick because I think that some of the stuff that I saw on tape that was a little bit discouraging will get more exposed and he should have come out of the draft this year and been a first round pick while he still had that value. Well, all right, there it is. I'm no longer a bachelor. We're going to come back on tomorrow's podcast and break down the offensive line, the tight ends, receivers, and running backs. But as far as today's show goes, that will be my time. If you guys have a smart speaker or Bluetooth capabilities in your car, tell it to play Locked On Dolphins podcast and pull us up right away. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.